this big sea and it blocked their path. And the armies of Egypt were chasing after them. And Moses prayed and a pathway opened up through the water and they walked across to the other side in safety. And that is actually a type of baptism that we will explore this morning. You know, we're all in the race of life. We're all on this journey called life. And how and where we head off and how we start determines where we end up. And baptism is supposed to be the first step in every believer's walk with Jesus Christ. You know, in the New Testament times, there was no such thing as an unbaptized Christian. And so we can get off on a good start in our journey with God by doing what we know God wants us to do, what the Bible tells us to do. Our walk with God is a lot easier if we determine to obey God each step of our journey. In Acts chapter 5, verse 32, it says, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. And so when we become a Christian, the Spirit of God comes in and lives within us. And we will hear this voice in our heart telling us what to do. But he often just guides us one step at a time. And if he's telling us to take one step and we don't take that step, we may not hear what the next step was going to be. You know, baptism is an area that, some, that most Baptists think Baptist churches do correctly. In fact, our name comes from baptizo in the Greek, which means to immerse, and from John the Baptist who used to immerse people in the river, believers in his day. But you know, Baptists don't always follow the biblical pattern. Because in the Bible, people got baptized on the day that they became a Christian. When someone became a believer in Jesus Christ, they were baptized on the same day. Now, that was a massive step in those days. Because Christians weren't liked and Christians were persecuted. And if you stood up and you said, look, I've become a Christian, I'm a believer in Jesus, and you were baptized in the, in the lake or the river, then the whole village knew that you had taken that step. And it put you under a lot of risk in some places. But with um, Baptist churches, often we wait to see whether people are living the life and are showing the fruit of obedience before they are baptized. But, you know, through being baptized, we release an empowering and an anointing from God that helps us to live the Christian life. Have a look at Romans 10. It says in verse 9 and 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That verse is saying there's two parts to becoming a Christian. 
One is you, listen, you read the Bible, you listen to what the Bible says, and you believe in your heart that it's true. But the second step is that you have to confess that that is what you believe. And that's what happens when people are baptized. I remember when I was a, a boy, my brother, I had five brothers, so I can talk about my brother without you knowing which one, was going to be baptized. And he had an after-school after job at McKenzie's, which was a bit like Woolworths or Pack and Save, I suppose. And one of his mates at the shop stole a packet of ginger nuts. And my brother and this boy were eating ginger nuts at the back of the shop when the manager caught them. And my dad was a Baptist minister, and this manager rang the police and rang my dad, and my brother was going to be baptised the following Sunday. <laughs> and my mum says, you can't get baptised if you're a naughty boy, and you're doing stuff like that. And that brother has never been baptised now. And you see, the thing is, a lot of people think that we become a good Christian by obeying all the rules. But we all make mistakes. We're all imperfect. And we can only walk the Christian life through having a relationship with Jesus, Jesus Christ. By falling in love with Jesus and wanting to serve him and wanting to please him. If we just think we've got to obey the rules, every time we break a rule, we're going to think we're a failure. We're going to think that we're not good enough. And the fact is, if Jesus is our friend and he is a loving father, if we do make a mistake, our loving father will pick us up, comfort us. And when we say we're sorry, he's going to continue to be our father, no matter what we do. And so in Exodus 14, the people of Israel were released from slavery in Egypt and they departed out of the land of Egypt. But the Egyptian army came chasing after them. And then they got to the Red Sea. Have you ever reached a point in your life where there seems to be no way forward? You feel like giving up. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. And then look at what happened next in Exodus 14, verses 15 and 16. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea to dry ground. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Now what happened there is referred to in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 1 to 3, where it says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud. God said, sent a cloud to protect them from the sun and a pillar of fire to show them the way. And they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. 
Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things, as they did. And so here's the Israelites. They've been slaves for 400 years. But by passing through that body of water, by passing through the Red Sea, they were finally separated from Egypt and the control that Egypt had over them. And that's what baptism does. Baptism separates the believer from the world's control over our life. Jesus desires that we leave our old way of living, our old habits and associations. And then the Israelites, they came up out of the water into a new land with new laws and a new leader. And so God leads us after baptism into a new life with new laws and a new leader. The Egyptian army attempted to cross the river, but they didn't have faith in Jehovah, the God of Israel. And the waters came together and they all drowned. And archaeologists have looked at the bottom of the Red Sea at the place where this event took place and they've found chariot wheels and all sorts of signs that a large army had been devastated by the water that buried them. And in a similar way, people who are baptised without personal faith in Jesus Christ are not saved by being baptised. You might think, oh, I'm going to heaven when I die because I was baptised as a child. But if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, that is what saves you, not baptism. But you know, Satan, like Pharaoh, likes to chase after new Christians. He wants to bring them back under his control. The power of Egypt was broken forever when that water collapsed on the Egyptian army. Egypt was the greatest power in the world at that time. Never since then has Egypt been a great power in this world. And in a similar way, Satan's power was broken at the cross. Even though Satan still is alive and wants to tempt us and to condemn us, baptism in water cuts us off and delivers us from the influence and control of the world. The way back into the old life should be closed behind us by our journey through that water. Those Israelites, some of them wanted to go back to Egypt, but they couldn't get back through the water. When we are baptized, we're saying, look, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm wanting to walk with Jesus throughout my whole life. I don't want to go back to my old way of life. And so baptism illustrates to us what Jesus did for us on the cross. I want to read you some verses from Romans 6, verses 1 to 7. It says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more kindness and forgiveness? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in sin? Or have you forgotten that when we became Christians, we were baptized to become one with Jesus Christ? We died with him. 
For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised just like he was. Our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, which is what we've just been singing. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And so these verses describe the past, the present, and the future of every Christian. Let's look first at the Christian's past. It says in verse 4, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. When we are baptized, we are buried under the water. And this symbolizes us dying to ourself, our old way of life, being burying our past. It connects us with Jesus' death 2,000 years ago. Jesus took our sin, our punishment, on the cross. He suffered and died for us instead of us. He carried our sin in his body. He paid the penalty for our sin. Our old self, our old carnal, worldly, fleshly, rebellious nature, died with Christ so that our worldly nature might be destroyed and no longer have control over us. Our baptism is like a funeral to our old self, a funeral to our old nature. It's a picture of our old self going down into the grave. Now let's look at the present. Jesus was raised from the dead so that we could enjoy a new life. Jesus didn't stay in that grave. He rose up to new life. And we don't stay in the grave. We come up out of the water a new person. We walk in a new life. The old has gone. The new has come. We've been born again. Coming up out of the baptismal water is a picture of us coming up out of the grave, risen to a new life in Jesus Christ. Our old sin nature is washed away. We come up clean and new. Let's look at the Christian's future. Paul says that since we have been united with Christ in his death, we will also be raised just as he was. You know, someday I'm going to die and they'll put my body into a grave. But just as that grave couldn't hold Jesus, it's not going to hold me. I'm going to be raised to new life just as Jesus was. I'm going to be with God in heaven. And so baptism is a picture of our death, our burial, and our resurrection with Jesus. And so baptism is an act of faith and obedience to what God says in his word, the Bible. And it builds a barrier between us and the power that Satan has over us. I want to look at an account of a baptism that occurred 
in Papua New Guinea and was written about by a man called Brian Archer. Let's, uh, it's on the screen there, I'll read it to you. By the time I arrived at the village, the singing and testimonies were well underway. Looking around, I saw all the Christians sitting on the grassed area in a close group. Around the meeting ground were hundreds of other village people with the men in traditional dress. Everything went well until it came time to go down to the river and baptize the believers. Suddenly, bows and arrows, spears, axes and knives appeared and the men barred our way. They threatened to kill us if we tried to baptize the people. Papua New Guineans don't make idle threats. So we all sat down and began to hear from different village leaders as they gave their views on the matter. Slowly the truth emerged. The objection to the baptism was this. The warriors said, you can have your meetings and build your churches. And we don't mind people joining your church, but if you baptize them, then they are like dead men to us. They no longer want to join in our spiritual dances and traditional practices or be involved in the fight that we've planned later on this year. You can do what you like except baptize them. We have seen that this baptism cuts them off from our traditional spirits and ways. In a similar way, Satan will do everything he can to prevent you from being baptized. And Brian Archer went on to say that where people understood baptism as a burial and resurrection, if just before you put them under the water, they asked God to show them specific areas that they consciously needed to bury along with the old nature in general, then the baptism of the Holy Spirit either became automatic on coming up out of the water all was received without any problems when Christians laid hands upon them. And so our baptismal candidates today, I would say to you, do you have any fears or addictions that you're struggling with? Is your old worldly nature winning the battle for control of your life more often than it should? And if it is, submit that area that you're struggling with to the Lord this morning and as you go under that water you say Lord wash me clean of this area I don't want to have to battle this thing for the rest of my life I want to do what you want me to do many people misunderstand baptism some people act as though since baptism doesn't save us that it's just not important and others go to the other extreme and say, well, if you don't get baptized, you won't go to heaven. Baptism isn't necessary for salvation, but it is necessary for obedience. And obedience is necessary to experience the leading growth and fruitfulness and fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus began his public ministry after he was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, it says, 
The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form a body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. All believers in Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit living in their hearts, living in their lives. We all make up the body of Christ. And this verse says, when you're baptized, you're saying, I want to join that body. And we all have different skills, different gifts. And we all serve God in different ways as he leads us. And so when we come to Christ, we're baptized into the body of Christ. We are the family of God. And baptism is a sign of our being baptized into the body of Christ. The very last words Jesus said before he ascended into heaven was to go into all the world and share the good news of Jesus with everyone, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it's our privilege today to baptize three people. We've got Regina, Pollyanna, and Aaliyah. Now, it's interesting with Aaliyah because Aaliyah is nine years of age. And most people, when they're baptized, are a wee bit older than that. And so I, uh, when um, Aaliyah wanted to be baptized and her parents felt that uh, it would be a good time for her, I checked things out. The Constitution says that they have got to have a faith in Jesus Christ. They have got to have reached the age of understanding. And they need to be interviewed by a ministry leader. So all those things have happened. And in actual fact, um, I'm quite excited about Aaliyah being baptized. Because I think, just like in the case of my brother, we can put obstacles in the way of people that stop them from going on this journey with God. And Aaliyah has a real love for the Lord and a desire to please him. And it's exciting that she's going to take that step today. So the way we undertake our baptisms in this church, we were going to hold it in the lake and have a picnic, but the weather's not very good. And so we've got our own little baptismal pool over there that's nice and warm. And uh, the, what happens is I'll get down in the water each um, person will have a support person to come into uh, the water with them. And uh, then we will ask each candidate why they want to be baptized or to share their testimony of what Jesus means to them. And then we will, they'll come into the water, we'll baptize them, and then I will, will pray over each person. Um, there's a van out in the car park. EHD 109, your lights have been left on if you want to have a good battery when you leave. And, and so then after they're baptised, I'll pray a blessing over them. The support person will pray a blessing over them. Um, and anyone else that wants to share a verse, share a word, a prayer, is invited to um, bring something over that person as well. 
Now, we do have a cameraman, and um, so what we will encourage is friends, immediate friends of the person being baptised, you can come up on the stairs, but uh, we will beam what's happening onto the screen so you can all see what's going on from where you are. Okay, so this is a really special time, and I better take my microphone off, and um, the first person is going to be Regina. So that's...